and a very warm welcome to another edition of the Celtic View podcast. As we build up to Wednesday's clash in paradise against Borussia Mönchengladbach. With the Hoops having a short hiatus during the international break, the pod was also off air, but the boys are back and so are we, and what a huge match we have to look forward to in paradise. My name is Mark Henderson and joining me for another Champions League discussion today are Celtic View editor Paul Cuddy. How you doing, Mark? And Celtic View reporter Martin Diel. Hi, Mark. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> right, well, we're all delighted to be back, Martin, but... Uh, <laughs> As, you, as, as I was saying earlier, it's Champions League week in Cel- at Celtic, it's always a special time and Paul, uh, obviously everyone is excited about it, is, you know, we're excited as much as the fans are about this game. Absolutely, I mean I think when the, when the draw was made Mark, that these two games, a double header against Borussia, Borussia Mönchengladbach, I think we saw and probably, probably the Germans did as well, these are the games that could be key to deciding where we end up in the group. Certainly, you know, we've got the point on the board after that, that game. Great performance against Manchester City. Gladbach have lost their first two games, so they'll come here desperate to try and get something. They've not been in great form this season, either in Europe or domestically. I think they're kind of they're up and down. They drew 0-0 at the weekend at home to Hamburg, and they've got some injury problems. We'll see whether they transpire on the night. But certainly, I think everything's set up for us for, for a great night. You know, I, I think the players are looking forward to it. I think the fans, again, you know, we always talk about the fans and the atmosphere of the creep. I think the last game against Manchester City, I think the fans themselves saw this idea of the 12th man, how important they actually were, particularly at the end of the game and, and the part they played. So I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a great atmosphere. I think, I'm not sure how Munchen Gladbach are going to handle it. We saw Manchester City, they seem to struggle a wee bit. So I'm, I'm really confident, actually, for, for Wednesday night. Yeah, and I mean, it's quite hard sometimes to, you know, distance yourself you know uh, from the event the the atmosphere after the last match against Manchester City we had the the post-match discussion about the the occasion the atmosphere and the just how much of an epic encounter it is but sometimes when you look at it the the palpable reward uh, tangible reward from that match was that one point in this match is there's so much at stake for both teams Martin you know, whoever wins this is really in pole position for first and foremost that third place, but also still in the running for the the top two. It's the first night of the 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 group uh, stages so far where we're really going to be looking at every match while we're covering the game. Um, it's just the the Barca Man City result will be just as big for us uh, as our own result against Gladbach. You know, if if we if we manage to get the win at Celtic Park. Uh, then I believe we're going to go to four points, and then that would cur- that would put us level with Man City, you know. And then if Barca can just take points off of them at the, s- at the same time, then it just changes it changes the full complexion of the group. So it's a massive, massive night for Celtic, but it's also massive in the full context of the group. Um, one that I'm really looking forward to. I really felt as if the Manchester City game went past in such a blur. Um, I think I was doing the match report that night and it just felt as if there was a goal every 10 minutes in each half and you know you were trying to keep up with the pace of the match it was so hard to really kind of um, keep in touch with what was going on but then I watched the the, the game back on Celtic TV and just blown away with the the full performance of the team and the performance of the fans so you know a repeat of that and if we can just maybe hold on uh, a wee bit better than we did against Manchester City then really confident for the game against Gladbach and 
perhaps after the Manchester City performance, expectation levels are possibly higher amongst the Celtic support, given how brilliantly the team performed that night and to score three goals against a, a Manchester City team that were started the season like a juggernaut was very, very impressive. But I think it's dangerous to get into the territory of contemplating if this been an easier game than Manchester City. Borussia Mönchengladbach, whoever, whatever team they put out, even if they have some injuries, are still a top team. This is a, a side that has finished consistently in the top four in the Bundesliga over the past five years. Uh, they've got international experience all over the team and a very, very good manager by all accounts too, Paul. So it, it is... I think the fans are going to have to be, you know, show that degree of patience as well. If if we don't score an early goal in the game, maybe isn't going in the direction we all want it to. I mean, to be fair, I think as as fans, we're allowed to be get a bit carried away. I think that's that's the nature of of supporting because as long as as the manager and the players don't become complacent, and there's absolutely no chance of that, you only have to listen to to the way the manager's talking about Borussia Mönchengladbach to know that they they are well aware of what you've just said and, and they'll treat them with the utmost respect. That's the most important thing. I, I think maybe just the way that, that Gladbach have played this season and you know the fact they have got some injuries, I think they'll they'll come here and, and maybe play more defensively than the, than this characteristic. They do have a reputation for being quite a fast attacking side, but I think they'll look at it if they can come away from Celtic Park with a point and just get something on the board. They'll always be more confident at home. And they, by all accounts, they, they gave Barcelona a really good game at Borussia Park a few weeks ago. I think patience is the key. But I, again, as I say, I think the Manchester City game was different even from for the fans' point of view. The fact that we always generate that, there's always that great atmosphere at the start of the game and the Champions League music. But I just felt it was throughout the 90 minutes and particularly in those last 10 minutes where the fans kind of realised the team needed a help to get over the line and they did it. And I, I, you know, I think it's maybe just a, a difference in the way that the fans will look at the game. But, you know, it, it, I, yeah, ideally you want the game... You know, to be over and done and dusted early on, but you know, as long as we win, it doesn't really matter. First I minute or last. I, I I agree. I think the fans are, are entitled to you know be optimistic and be excited about it, and um, it's hard to to say this, meaning absolutely no disrespect to Gladbach at all. But just when you look at the standard of Barcelona and Man City, everyone looked at the group and thought, right, the, these games against the German side are going to be the the ones that can swing it for us in terms of qualification or, or stealing that third place that's just a, a reflection of the, the standard of Man City and Barcelona but then you look at the difference in scores between the game against Barca our first match and um, the game against Man City it shows you that the full group really is wide open um, Gladbach are the only team in it not to have registered a point but they're still scored as well and, and across four games I think there's been something like 20 goals being scored in our group alone so uh, the fans I think definitely have a right to be excited about it and be confident um, particularly given that the match is at Celtic Park um, the game against Man City just shows how important the home support is for the players you compare that to all of our away journeys over the past couple of years it just really shows you that it's vital and you know looking at mentioned Gladbach themselves I mean they, they are a team that are very strong at home but have perhaps struggled away from home particularly in the last 12 months or so. So when you look at the context of the group, this really perhaps is a, a, a must-win for Celtic. If, if we've got ambitions of remaining in the competition beyond Christmas, we win this game, we go into four points, as you say, Martin, possibly level with Manchester City after three games. And 
it really the, the confidence boost that the players are going to take going into the last three games will be massive. You know, because anything can happen. You know, obviously we've we still have Barcelona at home and we've got the away leg and and Gladbach over the next two games. But to be in four points and still being running in the group when everyone had written us off, it would just show how far we've come in such a short space of time. There's just uh, the the concern is about uh, say the kind of Paul highlighted the the almost stuttering form of um, Gladbach domestically. Um, I the it it's it can put pressure on Celtic almost because that increases the expectancy levels among the support for those who maybe go and look at the Bundesliga and say all right that here's the results you you maybe expect Celtic to to do some real damage but um they're scored against Barcelona something that we didn't manage to do when we played against them uh, so just it's all it's all adding up to a really exciting night I think and just one that's just going to be full of all the traditional tension that you get at Paradise in a Champions League night. Yeah, well, I think your expectations or your your hopes of having a, a, a more, a night where you can actually watch the action, Martin, and take it all in are going to be dashed because yeah, yeah. I just think there's going to be goals aplenty in this game. Uh, Gladbach's strength is going forward, our strengths are going forward. Defensively, they've struggled and I know Celtic have tightened up defensively in the last couple of weeks, particularly domestically. But two teams that, that that's their strengths, and um, they'll come here and they'll know our attacking threat. And they they might think the best uh, form defence is them is to go forward themselves and try and score goals. So I think it's going to be another action-packed, enthralling, emotional roller coaster. We'll probably be sitting in here at the office after the game, completely drained and exhausted, just like we were after the Manchester City game. But all that matters is getting that three points and touch wood, we can get them. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think I think we've got a great home record and so do Borussia Mönchengladbach and both of us maybe struggle away from home in, in Europe. So it's important because the first game's here. If we can get three points, it puts real pressure in them because after three games to have nothing, then it's very, very rare that a team <coughs> can, can finish anything on the bottom from that, particularly when you look at they've got Barcelona and the new camp, and they've got Manchester City to play as well. So the fixtures, if we can get the win on Wednesday, could fall perfectly in our favour. Well, one person that knows quite a bit about Borussia Mönchengladbach is Celtic defender Eric Sviachenko. Uh, I, I spoke to Eric for this week's Celtic View, and I started by asking him about the Danish connection at the German side with a couple of his international teammates starring for the Bundesliga team. <laughs> Uh, I've just been with the national team where Andreas Christensen, the centre half, and Yannick Westergaard, the other centre half, is is playing. So they are keeping me out of the Danish national team right, okay. uh, at the moment. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to face them in the Champions League in, in this big tournament. And 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 they are good players. And then I think it was um, the big uh, Alan Simonsen, or not the big one, but he's quite small, but one of the biggest players who's been playing uh, in in Mönchengladbach as well um, for many years ago. Yeah. Okay, so did you have a bit of chat with them about the game when you were away in it? Yeah, I tried to get something out of of Yannick <laughs> to see how they were playing, uh, but he was he was keeping his cards close. Okay, uh, but it'd be nice to get one over them. I uh, think it would be it would be especially for me, but but again, we will do everything we can, and, and we, as I hope, we will get the victory, and then we will have that small advantage over the over the other Danes. And uh, you talked about the performance against Manchester City. Um, what have you made of the the team's development uh, since the start of the season, Eric? Because we seem to be, you know, seems to be that progression. Yeah. Uh, every time we go in the pitch. I see the same. I see this progression, but I also acknowledge that 
progression takes time and it takes um, quality because you can sometimes get into a phase where you then two games you play well and then you drop and I haven't seen that for, from our team I think we're getting consistently better and we for instance against Dundee we didn't score much goals we scored only one goal but we kept the clean sheet so that was also one of the main targets before the season went on that we want to have clean sheets even though that we want them a bit sooner than that but we have been working 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 towards something and then we got that um, appreciation in this in the sense of getting that clean sheet so now we're just experiencing the team getting even more confident with with how we're playing and people are not now starting to really really know how we are defending how we are playing in offensive and those those things combined obviously gets us closer towards where we want to be and you must take so much confidence from the way you played against Manchester City to going into this game certainly a, a game that's going to hold no fear whatsoever after the way you performed against such a star-studded team like yeah, yeah. it's it's about the, the mental preparation as well um, to be fearless but also to be respectful but respect can be at a certain amount because we also need to to believe in ourselves in in our strengths and and how we can can yeah uh, wound them in in the sense of football um so i think that if we can take some of the the same good good spells we had against city to to put it into the game against gladbach then i think we have yeah then we are we are good to go okay and uh, you you must be pleased by your own performance uh, against city as well I read somewhere that you had the highest interceptions yeah. of any player in the Champions yeah. League in that round of fixtures. So, how much did you enjoy that? And how much did, you know your sort of first real yeah. Champions League experience at Celtic Park? It was unbelievable. As I as I dreamt about playing these games, and not that I was dreaming about playing them at Celtic Park, but now I, if I was back there dreaming, I would dream about playing in the Celtic Park uh, because the atmosphere there is unbelievable and. My ears was really so after the game because it was like standing beside like a, a um, like a speaker, yeah, speaker something like that for for an entire night somewhere because it was really really loud and I was trying to uh, call up Colo or Katie and I was just losing my breath because they couldn't hear me at all so it was only like you had to go over to them and then shout into their ear what you were meaning uh, but again it's it's really really those games that. That are that are nice to play and, and to feel that the crowd are, are together with this, together in this with us. Um, it's just uh, it's a nice experience. So, what what kind of difference does it make to uh, as a player when you're playing with that sort of backing and, and that kind of occasion? It does a major difference because you have you always have the responsibility towards the fans, whether you play is it if it's away or or is it home. But especially when they put it up a a performance like that to say it like that then you're just being carried uh, even though that it can sound like a cliche to say we are being carried by the 12th man but especially at Parkhead it's just uh, really really that 12th man that, that keeps us going, keeps us into the game uh, and they can really really help especially in the end of the game against City where they were just howling and booing against City when they had the ball, it must create some uncertainty with the, the opponents. Eric Spiachenko preparing for another case of earache then on Wednesday night. And uh, Martin, I'll start with you. Um, Eric, you know, obviously it was 
absolutely stunned by the, the noise against Manchester City and the impact it made on the game. Um, that's going to be vital again. We've talked about it already. But also what's going to be vital is, is a good, strong defensive performance. And I thought Eric was outstanding in that first match, uh, in the match against Manchester City. I, I, I don't know. He's, he's obviously the Champions League is something he's been striving for his whole career and he certainly looked like he, he wanted to make the most of it. Yeah, I mean, he was involved in the, the first goal, if memory serves me, uh, against Manchester City. Unlucky for the ball not to just go in straight from his header, uh, but Moussa Dembele <laughs> would argue against that and say that perfectly lucky. Um, I made loads of interceptions on the night as well, as you say, Mark. He was, I think, at the highest ranked for interceptions uh, out of all of the group stages games. It kind of shows you uh, the pressure that Manchester City put us under at some points, but it also shows you that Eric is perfectly capable of handling that. He's an international defender, someone who's grown into his role at Celtic. Um, obviously, def the defence has chopped and changed a few times in the opening months of the season, but whenever Eric plays, he seems to give you the same level of consistency, and that's really what you want for a, a centre-half. Um, he enjoys playing alongside uh, Simunovic. I think the two of them together are kind of like perhaps the future pairing for Celtic. But he also likes to play alongside the experience of Colo Touré, or even Mikael Lustig as well. Um, and he combines well, I think, with uh, Kieran Tierney when he's placed on the left-hand side. So somebody that's kind of grown into his role, shows a lot of confidence when he's speaking and when he's on the pitch. And uh, somebody, I think, who you know, has his head wrapped around what it means to play for Celtic as well. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, he obviously talks very well, but I think he talks with sincerity um, about the Celtic fans. And he mentioned about this sense of having a responsibility towards the fans, um, which kind of, you know, there's shades of some of the Celtic greats and saying things like that, you know, these are the guys that pay the money to, the people who pay the money to come to the stadium and watch the fans and being out on the pitch, uh, sort of being aware of that um, is a sign of a kind of an intelligent footballer. And I, I thought it was interesting as well when I, I spoke to Eric that, um he was really, really. Uh, he really wanted to highlight the fact that while Celtic should respect Gladbach and, and their strength, that it was the way that, that the team were going to approach it from their perspective. Is but having that same intensity, going toe to toe with the opposition, that aggression, particularly in the final third of the pitch, that that counter pressing that we've seen so much under Brendan Rodgers. I think he was wanting to emphasise the fact that that was going to be Celtic's main focus, not really, you know, getting too concerned about Gladbach. While you respect the opposition, the fact that Celtic played so well against Manchester City using that system, that I think we're going to see more of the same on uh, Wednesday night. And uh, Paul, I mean, it certainly worked to great effect against the, the English side. Well, I think I, I think that's important when you know the manager, particularly in a game against Manchester City, it wasn't a case of sitting in and defending. As you said, we went toe to toe with them. We took them on, and another night we could have won the game because we, we, we took the lead three times. And I think what that does for the players is it shows them it, that what the manager's asking them to do is, is the correct thing. And so they'll go into the game confident because even though they'll not underestimate Munchen Gladbach, they'll think, well, you know, if we can get a point off Manchester City, we can definitely win this game. And so they, they've bought into what the, the manager's asking them to do. But, but part of that is the fact it's successful. So I think that's been really important. Um, and I, I, you know, I think he had one of his best games. 
um, in a Celtic jersey against Manchester City. And I, I, that's always encouraging, I think, when you have players that come in and the bigger the game, they, they rise to the occasion. Because I, I think the more that you've got a player who can play for Celtic because there's just certain demands that you just don't get when you play for other clubs. You have to win every single game and then you're playing these big, big games. And when you have players like him... And he does talk so well, he does... He's very articulate, very intelligent. But, you know, I, I agree with Martin. I think there's a genuine... From almost from the word go, a kind of affection for the club and, and, and what it stands for and what it is. And, and he, you can tell he just likes being a Celtic player. Yeah, I mean, he, he was... I actually mentioned to him about how well he played in that, that, that last game against Manchester City, but he's, he's, he's actually very reticent to talk about himself. He always wants to talk about the team and the collective, and I, I, I think that kind of sums him up as a character. He, he's a... It's all about the team for him, and uh, you know when you when you mentioned to him about individual displays, he always takes care to talk about the other players in the team and their contribution. So I, I thought that was really interesting, and as you said, his affection for Celtic is genuine. He talked about how he used to dream about the Champions League growing up in the interview, but he says now if he was back as a kid dreaming at the Champions League, it would be about Celtic Park because for him that is the ultimate experience and that type of atmosphere and he's he's a very good guy to speak to actually about these things because he can really he speaks with real candor and can express himself really well about these type of occasions and what it means to play for the club and what it means for the team I was just going to ask you Mark when you were speaking to him did you get a sense at all that uh, there's perhaps uh, maybe an added feeling of pressure going into this match, given the the Manchester City result was so good and it now changes the complexion of the game. I I don't really detect that from Eric. I mean, he is that kind of he's he's a very calm uh, individual. Um, he doesn't really give much away. Um, he, he's, he's he's very focused and he's got a. a a kind of strong mindset about everything. But when I spoke to him, I think it was, you could tell the belief was brimming within him and throughout the whole team, the way he spoke about how things were going. Um, he, now, this was ahead of the, the Motherwell match and he was talking about how defensively the, the team were improving and there was this general progression every week in the team. Every time they went on the field, there was something else that was getting better. And you can tell he's part of a team that really feel they can achieve something special, and um, you know, not no challenge phases them because they just feel on end, going to end every match that they can do something, and that was the, the case against Manchester City. And when you perform like that against probably the most informed team in Europe at the time, it's, you're certainly going to hold no fears going into the play. Borussia mentioned Gladbach as well, and I think that that the Celtic team that takes to the field uh, tomorrow night, I think they're going to be confident fully prepared and mentally ready to try and get that result that we all want. It just kind of shows you again then, it underlines the point, just how much the players are dialed in to uh, what Brendan Rodgers is telling them. And it, there just seems to be a, a freshness every match about um, what the manager says after or what he says beforehand to the players and then the way he kind of speaks about the game and the, the players all seem to have bought 100% into that so that they're, they're so focused I mean listening to that interview with Eric he seems so focused on this match he's just not thinking about anything else not at all um, you know it's, it's the, the kind of every time we speak to a player or manager it's this one game at a time cliche now um, you hear that all the time in football but that is the case at Celtic very much 
Uh, I think that you have to be as well when you have so many games in quick succession. I mean, our fixture schedule is unbelievable. I asked Brendan Rodgers for this week's Celtic View interview about it, and he said he'd never experienced anything like it in his long career in the game. So when you're playing a game pretty much every three days, I think that's the only approach you can do, is just you know separate yourself from challenges further down the line and just concentrate on the next challenge ahead and that's how Celtic are dealing with it every match they come up to they have the same methodical preparation uh, and the players go in feeling really well equipped for that uh, test ahead yeah I mean I'm, I'd, as soon as I saw the, the rearranged fixtures I was also thinking about the home programmes that we were going to have to <laughs> produce as well <laughs> but it, is, it really is going to uh, stretch and test the squad um, So that, and I think that was encouraging at the weekend when we had like a couple of players coming in likes of Liam Henderson who did well and um, Christian Gamboa at right back because you know you want to know that you have guys that can come in at any given opportunity and, and fit seamlessly into the team and you know obviously the manager's post-match comments were he was encouraged by what he saw you know he mentioned Liam Henderson so I think you know it's, it's important but you know be interesting to see who who plays. You could make a guess at roughly what you think might be the starting eleven for for Wednesday night. But you know, we've got one big game, and then another big game. We'll get really two really tough away games following that. So it's it's just relentless. And and probably this season, it's that's probably why it's it's quite good. I think for the team that there'll be a break in January just to give them a chance to recharge the batteries because by the end of the you know, but get time it gets to the end of. 2016, that's a lot of football they've played. I think that's a big part it was for, for the team because so much of um, the manager's, uh, like his skills as a manager is down to getting into the players' heads. Do you get that when you speak to him, Mark, that it's as much about what he's doing on the training field as it is what he's saying to them in the dressing room? Yeah, and I think a big credit has to go as well to Glenn Driscoll, sports science guys in the medical department because... Celtic have a full squad to choose from this game for this match. No injury concerns whatsoever. So that's really, really impressive considering all the games we've had. We're just back from an international break and uh, I think that shows good game management from the manager and also from the the fitness and sports science and medical side of things that the players are, 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 you know, being kept along at a good pace. They're they're not picking up any knocks. And uh, it's brilliant, you know, we can go into these big games and still have a full squad available for selection. And, you know, we'll talk about predictions later, but the starting 11, you could, you can probably pick it yourself just now. You, you probably get an idea what it's going to be, but with that strength and depth as well in the squad, everyone's just pushing all the time. Uh, for a place in the team and uh, it means that everyone's got to stay on their toes I think that the number 10 role uh, was going to be the the most interesting thing for me I think as you say Mark you could could probably predict the majority of them but um, I don't know whether it's because Stuart Armstrong was the main interview for the Celtic View and Brendan Rodgers saw that and (laughs) stuck (laughs) him in at the weekend but um, there is that kind of a small competition uh, between Armstrong and Tom Rogic uh, heating up there and there are other options for that position as well. Does does he change the system going into this game? Because he's highlighted that Borussia Mönchengladbach play the 3-4-3, I think he said. Uh, for that's the first time we've come up against that as well. So, um, yeah, team selection will be an, an interesting one come Wednesday night. Yeah, well, talking about the Celtic view, it's probably a good cha- uh, time to have a little chat about this week's magazine. Obviously, Eric is the, the main interviewee uh, in the magazine. Uh, we've also got exclusive 
interviews in a, another jam-packed edition of the magazine. We also spoke to Patrick Roberts, who obviously talks a bit about the, the Borussia Mönchengladbach game and also the Glasgow Derby in the League Cup semi-final on Sunday. Logan Bay is also goes under the microscope talking about home and away, where he gr- grew up and in Belgium. And uh, young Celt Jack Aitchison, he looks forward to the under-19s UEFA Youth League clash with Borussia Mönchengladbach, which takes place at Capello on Wednesday afternoon. So any fans that uh, might have the afternoon off the game, you know, it's also a, a chance to maybe go along and watch the youths in action because you still have time to get from Capello uh, back to Celtic Park. Kick-off there is 2 o'clock. And also the former player this week uh, was Brian O'Neill. Uh, the really interesting discussion with Brian who obviously is well played in Germany with Wolfsburg and he had quite a lot of interest and things to say about Borussia Mönchengladbach and, and German football. So that's also another interview to look out for. And there was also a bit of a, a Borussia Mönchengladbach legend in the Celtic view this week and former Scotland manager Bertie Votes, Paul. And that was, you know, really, really good to get to, to speak to Bertie and, you know, and he's someone that's held in such high esteem over in Germany. Yeah, I mean, I think he is, I think he is the... Munchen Gladbach legend that, that nobody's made more appearances for the club than him and he was part of that you know the, the Munchen Gladbach golden era of the, the sort of early 70s where they were you know one of the best teams in the Bundesliga I think they won the UEFA Cup a couple of times they got to the European Cup final so he is held in, in the highest regard there and um, he's, he's now working as a I think he's a technical advisor to Jurgen Klinsmann with the US soccer and He's enjoying that. I mean, he's spent most of his career in, in international management, but he is a, a München Gladbach fan. And whenever he's back in Germany, he, he said he's got a couple of season tickets. I'm guessing there are a couple of complimentary tickets for so him <laughs> and his son go to the games. And you know, he, he also spoke very complimentary um, about Celtic. You know, I think he, he was a regular visitor here during his time as the, the national team coach. Obviously, had that friendship with Tommy Burns as well. And which I think he valued because I think Tommy Burns was one of those those people who really stood up for him and and stu- stuck by him when when he was getting a lot of uh, abuse, particularly in the media uh, during his time there. And I think he he said I think uh, you know almost not, I'm not sure of advice or just to say to the mention glad by players to to savour the atmosphere at Celtic Park because he, he knows it's it's something special. I think it's, it's a, a really packed edition of the, of the view. Well done for compiling it. Oh, Mark, I've been off over the, the past week, but especially having uh, Bertie Volks there. It's just somebody that I don't think anyone in Scotland will have heard from, certainly in, in recent times. And as you mentioned, Paul, uh, um, the history with uh, the way he was treated in the media there. So a big thank you obviously goes out to him uh, for taking the time to answer the questions of the Celtic view. And I had a, a, a short read through some of the initial answers that he he'd provided. And uh, it looks like a, a really interesting piece and just sort of, you know, one of the many uh, interesting things you could read as a Celtic fan if you pick up the view this week. Well, uh, along with the Celtic view, uh, Paul and, and Martin have obviously been working hard on the Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, match programme, which will obviously be available at the, the game tomorrow. Um, now, the main interview uh, in the match programme was with Colo Touré. And I spoke to Colo and uh, talked to him about his sort of Champions League experience of, of Celtic Park, what he felt about the atmosphere. And, of course, Colo was really, really interesting to speak to once again. Looking back in your first sort of Champions League 
group uh, match experience at Celtic uh, against Manchester City. What did you make of the occasion? How did it compare to other big European nights you've experienced in your, your career? It was amazing atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It was amazing atmosphere. And uh, honestly, you know, it was, I think, one of the best mm-hmm. I've been playing. And uh, is a uh, atmosphere was unbelievable. And uh, we, our fans. And the first thing was the, you know, the, the Champions League music. You know, when we we were in the, on the line. You know. Uh, the music, the music was so, so strong, you know, so loud, and uh, never hear something like that before. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, my feeling was wow, you know, where I am now, you know. And to be honest, I really, it was a really special moment, definitely. And I think those moments you, you just remember, remember them, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And because uh, you have a long career you've played at the highest level and lots of Champions League games mm. already so was that something different to what you'd experienced before in your career that, that kind of atmosphere I think it's, it was really amazing you know because uh, I think it's difficult for Celtic to, to get qualified you know and for two years the team haven't been able to qualify for the Champions League and I think that the, the fans the supporters they was waiting for that and I could feel you know that uh, for them it mean a lot to be in the Champions League, and uh, and I've been to to some club that uh, you know you had to to qualify for Champions League. You know there is no choice. Mm-hmm. You know, and but for for Celtic, of course, it's really tough to get to, to even if you first in the league, you still have to go to the group stage, which is always difficult. And I think uh, for sure it's been it's been something really special for me, definitely. And uh, I mean, people talk about there's always a kind of a magic in the air when Celtic mm. playing a big European night under mm. the, the floodlights. Is that something you sensed? There was something special, something a bit magical uh, when, when Celtic play a, a game like that in of Europe? Of course, of course. You know, you can you can see the result. And to be honest, when we played the game, it was a tough game. And uh, City uh, creates a few really important chances. And... Uh, our goalkeeper was outstanding. He played very, very well. Had some great saves, you know. And uh, uh, Eric was really good as well. The team was uh, was very, very strong. Browning was amazing. Nero played very, very well, you know. And I think, to be honest, it was a, a group, a team performance. But at the same time, we had the support from our fans, which make a big difference. Because if I can tell you, last let's say five minutes was really, really tough, you know, because it was the game who was going up and down. It was like a basketball game. Mm-hmm. One change there, another change there, you know. In the uh, last five minutes, it was really crucial. And at one point, I was on the pitch and I was hearing the fans, you know, the way they were pushing us. And they really made the difference. You know, they really made the difference because it was... It was uh, it was difficult the first, last five minutes, but I think the fans made the difference because they push us to just keep going, keep holding the the score. And I think, you know, give credit to them. You know, you can. This stadium is really special because the fans make it really special. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think people 
talk about that as a cliche a lot of the time that the supporters can be the twelfth man, but that's an example when it's, in, it's something in reality when the supporters can really make a difference to you it's guys on the pitch. Definitely, is the reality, and it's amazing the way the way it was. You know, the, they was pushing us. You know, like come on, you know, just and you feel it like the twelve minutes on the pitch. You know, they just like helping you, you know, give you energy. It's like they transform, they, they give you your their energy to carry and keep going, you know, and that's really, really amazing, definitely. So are you excited about mm. your next, another Champions League experience at Celtic Park? Yeah, of course, you know, it's, of course, we, it's always special when you play against, like, uh, top teams, you know, and Muchengabag uh, is a top team, you know, and they're doing really well in, in Germany, you know, and uh, we're looking forward to it. We know it's going to be a, maybe the, the toughest game of the group, you know, because, you know, those two teams can fight, really, you know, and uh, and it's going to be a really tough game, really, really tough game, but we will have our 12, 12 men with us, which I think is going to be really, really important. Okay, and... Uh you know, as you say, the twelfth man. Um, do you think that could be the difference then for us? Definitely for us, that that can be the difference. You know, and because for the opposite team, you know, to have fans like that is not easy. But for the team who play home, for the Celtic players, you know, you can feel them pushing you to the to your limit. You know, which is really really important to win games like that because. This game is gonna be, a, I think for me, it's gonna be one of the best game because those two teams are really good. Colo Touri talking about the twelfth man and how that can make the difference in paradise on Wednesday night. Now, Paul uh, Colo Touri is such a big player in these occasions, and you just expect him to be a huge, huge presence in that Celtic defence again. Well, I think every every big game we mentioned it earlier on. You know how encouraging it was for the likes of Eric Sviachenko, big game player. I think it certainly benefited him in the last game against Manchester City, playing alongside Colo. And every every one of these games, you can see why Brendan Rodgers has brought him in because he's just has that experience. And I think, quite apart from the fact he knows what to do, he knows how to organise the defence, he knows where to position himself. I think I think his presence is is reassuring for everyone else. I just get that feeling that when, particularly for these big games, and, and there was times in the Manchester City game when they had a bit of pressure, they were attacking. I just kind of got that feeling that other players would have just glanced round and thought, well, we're okay because Colo's here. And the number of times you see the ball coming into the box and it's him that's clearing it, he, he's just got that, you know, you obviously you can't buy that experience. He, he's just gained that over so many years at the highest level and we're getting a real benefit. And, what is really good, I think, from a Celtic point of view is that at his stage of his career to come up here and still to experience something unique. You know, he's probably thought, I've seen it all, I've done it all. And he comes up and he sees Celtic Park in a Champions League night against Manchester City. Now, that's as good an atmosphere as we've all experienced in a long time. You know, maybe as good as, as we've ever seen. So for a player of his experience to, to enjoy that, he'll be going away and thinking, you know, he's made the right decision coming here and he'll be in the team for his quality but his experience uh, as a leader and I think it's good for the likes of even for the likes of Scott Brown who's the captain to have somebody at the back who can also lead the team and inspire the team and 
we've had real benefits from from Cornwall being here. I think it, it kind of un- that underlines Paul why he talks so positively about and genuinely again about the support he has seen and done it all. You know, he's an international star. He's played in the Premier League for two absolutely or three uh, massive teams. Um, so he's and he's played in Europe. You know, he's he's, he's done everything. But to come here and uh, you know. Not saying that he had hesitations or anything, like that, but it's Scotland is very different in terms of the domestic setup from England, and he would have loved the chance to come to Celtic and work under Brendan again. But to to see full Celtic Park uh, against his former side, and you know, to to really have it all sort of brought home to him, I think it's also his passion as well on the ju- still for the game in general, but also for helping Celtic is something that adds to what you're saying about the players' confidence. Yeah, I don't know if you I don't know if you saw the, the Celtic Twitter feed did a, a fans Q and A with Musa Dembele on Monday, and and. Uh, one of the questions was regarding his teammates and Musa said, you know, obviously he's just twenty, he's come in, he's, he's been great and he, he actually pinpointed Colo Touré as being like one of the players he, he described him as like being a big brother to him. And I think that is you know, again, that's one of the things that, that Brendan Rodgers must be delighted to have a player like Colo in the dressing room to, to bring a young player like with the talent that, that Musa's got on and I, I thought that was quite an interesting comment. I remember speaking to uh, Toure before for a programme and asked him about that, you know, like you seem to have automatically taken on this role of like experience and big brother, do you feel any pressure with it, are you, is it, you know, are you at least aware of it and he's like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do at Celtic because I look back at all, he said he looked back at all of the, the players that helped him when he was a young guy coming through and he says he would have been a different player had it not been uh, for these more senior uh, sort of personalities in the dressing room, kind of putting an arm around them, or he says, you know, even like T- Thierry Henry, the amount of times that Thierry Henry came up and said to him, "Is that's not good enough, you need to be better, and it just all of these things changed him, and you see that now on the pitch, the amount of times that you look up, say we've conceded a corner or something like that, or we've not played the offside trap properly, it's Toure is the one who's turning around to everyone saying that you need to be here, you need to do this, come on, like, and uh, kind of motivating them, he's not chastising his, his teammates, he's always motivating them and I find that really refreshing as a Celtic fan to see someone of his age, his experience still coming to Celtic and still loving it. Yeah, it's, it just looks more and more like such a shrewd piece of business to have brought him in in the summer, I mean in one of the parts of the interview that you don't uh, that, that's not on an actual podcast but you can read in the match programme uh, when you're talking about Musa Dembele, Colo uh, was I asked Colo about Musa and how well he's he's done since he's arrived at Celtic, and he said, "Yeah, he's he's doing great, but I want him to do better." You <laughs> know, yeah, when he's he was saying that when he scores a double in a game, I want him to score three, I want him to score four, and I tell him that yeah. because I, I I think he can be one of the top strikers in world football, but to do that, he's always got to want to strive for more. Uh, he says, "I want to keep him on his toes. I want to keep him motivated and." When you hear things like that, and you know Musa Dembele is going to listen to Colo Touri, yeah. you just think, what a great presence it is to have someone in the dressing room. And it's it's not just, obviously, Musa Dembele, it's other players as well are going to be speaking and, and getting really good advice and counsel from, from Colo. So uh, it's just brilliant to have someone in there, not just on the pitch, that calmness, that authority, but off the pitch as well. He's, 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 he's just a great guy to have around the club. He has a career uh, that allows him to tap into 
uh, different atmospheres and in different situations. I think, you know, his, his experience of British football allows him to join in the quote-unquote banter, you know, of, of a kind of uh, Scottish dressing room that you would imagine would be going on. But he's also, you know, obviously a, a foreign player who's come to the, the British game, so he can identify with the other guys that are there as well. And I think when you're talking about uh, Dembele as well, Mark, um, I spoke to him two weeks ago for the Celtic View. Uh, it was just before the international break, so unfortunately it was one of the two Celtic Views we didn't get a chance to talk about in the in the podcast. Um, but I asked him, you know, this was after he'd been uh, put in up for the was it the Golden Boy Award. Uh, he'd also been called up to the France Under-21 squad for the first time and he was flying at Celtic. I was having this chat with him and he just so cool so composed, nothing was phasing him, and I just said to him, "Is that look? Um, you're obviously doing great here at Celtic. But what's your what's your aims as a footballer?" And he said, "Oh, it's the same as you know when I said when I first joined. I want to be one of the best strikers in the world." And that's so he will take that motivation from someone like Toury saying, "All right, you've scored two. Go and score a third. He'll try. He will try and do it." And you can see that for France. I think he scored in both games for the French under twenty one squad. So he is a guy with high goals, and he's chasing them. And uh, Moussa Dembele is certainly going to be someone that Borussia Mönchengladbach defence will be looking out for. But, I mean, <laughs> Lee Griffiths as well on the sidelines as well, desperate to, g- to get a start in place. Celtic's firepower just now is just remarkable. I mean, we saw it at the game against Motherwell at the weekend. Scott Sinclair with another goal too. James Forrest on fire. Tom Rogic obviously rested and you'd imagine he would come back into contention for a place. So when you, when you see Celtic playing now, you just expect goals, you expect chances and... I'm sure we're going to see more against uh, Gladbach. See, I would be surprised. Uh, I think you mentioned Martin earlier on that Gladbach sometimes play a three-four-three. Three. I'd be surprised if they play three at the back on, on Wednesday night. I, I think if they play three at the back, we'll run over the top of them because they just. I think the way we play with the two wide men, I think they'll just go overrun. So I, I think they might change the way they play. And I, when a team does that, I think that's an indication of of how dangerous they, they see the opposition because you're then having to change the way you play. Whereas I think Brendan Rodgers will go out and tell uh, our team how to play to our strengths. And I think that that can, as you mentioned, that there's so many players that are potential match winners or potential goal scorers. Um, we're hoping this time that Kieran Tierney gets a, a, a goal that UEFA actually give him. Although, till, till my dying day, the Celtic Celtic view and Celtic supporters will give Kieran Tierney yeah. that goal. And I know you. I know you mentioned or you spoke to Patrick Roberts about it as well. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I, I said to him. I said, uh, he was, "Did Kieran claim that goal?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah." But uh, they've got a bit of a bromance going, so um, <laughs> obviously they, have, they were having a bit of a laugh about it. But he, he um, almost scored a cracker at the weekend oh, as well I mean, against Motherwell. I mean, that that's like. Straight star striker performance, you know, like the one-two with himself. And but listen, you've, I mean, there's very few times that you you could see Celtic Park giving a stand innovation to a player when it's not ended up as a goal. But that's a kind of I think that's a sign, obviously, of that particular piece of skill. But just the way that the Celtic fans, how they think about Kieran Tierney and and what he, you know, he's. I mean, you don't want to get too dramatic about it because and he's still a young guy with a lot to learn, but he is like almost the embodiment of Celtic fans on the pitch. He's the fan on the pitch. He really is. I mean, he just lives and breathes Celtic. But more than that, because we would all love to to play and give that effort, but he's got the quality to go with it. Yeah, he certainly does. Oh, yeah, it's, he's, he's fantastic to watch. I mean, he just gets better and better every game. And uh, 
the way he performed at the weekend, I mean, <laughs> actually someone put a, a stat online about how many times the Celtic website has awarded Kieran <laughs> Man of the Match, so myself and you, Martin, are obviously behind this. <laughs> I thought you'd already filled it in before each game. <laughs> Sometimes you do, I do a template for the, the match report before any words have been written, and sometimes you are just tempted to just write KT, just to, like, if you've got the start in 11 before it's come out, and you're just thinking, I might as well just write it, because it just plays so well. Well, I mean, every week you know you're going to get at least a 7 out of 10 from Kieran and I think what was it 12, 12 times the Celtic website awarded Kieran man of the match from his 52 appearances so and these will be <laughs> matches that we've won let's say like 7-0 and everything like that but you're still highlighting him as the, the best player it's just because he's so dynamic as a player and he's relentless as well, like he's. I remember when he first started, he was kind of maybe getting sixty or seventy minutes, and he talked about you know maybe one day I'll get to ninety. But it seems like the kind of guy who could go on and just play constantly. Uh, just has this relentless energy that's been cultivated. I mean, maybe the fact that SDS is still a very young player. Um, but if he can keep that going all the way through his prime years, then it just it makes him a, a total standout player for Celtic. Yeah, well, talking about goals of yeah, and Kieran's goal, which should have stood against Manchester City from a, a Celtic persuasion anyway, I think it's time to move on to prediction time for the game against Gladbach. Now, I'll start off with you, Martin. You're, uh, like, you're, you're primed with a, a really good answer here. No, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm confident and I agree with everything that we've we've talked about, but it's just it's, it has this feeling for me for there's one of those games that's going to be perhaps tighter uh, than um, you would hope. Like, let's put it that way. So I, my, the way I'm thinking about it just now is if I think if 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 Celtic score two goals, particularly with it without reply, I think it's going to be the same as we do against every other team. I think we will go on and score more, um, but. Gladbach are such a threat going forward. So I'm going to go for 3-1 to Celtic. That was my prediction as well. Oh. I usually just add in, and I'm just going to do it for every game this season, Eric Sriachenko first goal. <laughs> I, just get, I just get the feeling that once he gets one, because I, I, I do think from set pieces, you know, for you know, he's maybe not the tallest, but he's, he's got a fantastic leap, and you know, he came close in the last couple of games. So uh, I would say 3-1. Sviachenko first goal. Well, he did come close at the weekend, Paul. Obviously, a really yeah. great save from Craig Sampson. So, I think set pieces are going to be key too. I think you know that's an element of our game we've really improved on this season. We look at a real threat, um, and three-one. Uh, that's what I had in my head <laughs> too as well. So, a universal opinion. Um, but what I, d- I do think there'll be plenty of goals, and but I just think our firepower means we'll just too much for Gladbach. Hopefully, uh, that'll be the case anyway. Can I ask this just before we yeah. wrap up? Do you think, see if we get an early goal, does that change, how much does that change the complexion of the match? Because, you know, you remember that feeling when we scored against Man City, a game that not a, a lot of us were having a lot of hope for. When we scored three minutes into the match and you just suddenly went, we can do this. I think the danger for, for Gladbach in that situation, and they've probably got a, a less experienced squad than, than Manchester City is. And I think, you know, sometimes you underplay how well Manchester City did to come back in three occasions, and that's due to the quality in their squad. I think Gladbach would fear that, that maybe some of their, their players might crumble. I, I mean, I, I don't think we'll run away with it, but, you know, if we get a good start again, even s- 
you're hoping then psychologically they're thinking we're not going to win this game and then it's almost a case of right we'll try and hang in there and you know I think what we want this time is, is maybe just to hold the lead a bit longer but Okay, well, uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow night on the pitch. And just a final mention for other interviews in the match programme. Obviously, uh, we also spoke to Andres Hinkle, the former Celtic player, who who played in some big European nights here at Celtic Park. We spoke to uh, Swedish player Oscar Vent, who plays for Borussia Mönchengladbach, just to get an insight into the opposition. And also young cell Aidan McElduff. Now we're going to hear the fan interview that Paul uh, conducted with Terry Durish. And this is a really popular feature. And uh, Paul spoke to Terry last week. Hello, I'm Paul Cuddy, editor of the Celtic View. And welcome to this section of the Celtic View podcast, Celtic, Celtic, that's the team for me. And I'm delighted my guest this time is Celtic fan Terry Durish. Thanks for joining us, Terry. No problem at all, Paul. First question, as always, what's your earliest Celtic memory? I think my, my earliest memory would be back in 1986, the 5-0 game at Love Street the day we won the, the league. Uh, I would have been about 7 or 8 at the time. I wasn't at the game, uh, but I remember listening to it on the radio. And I think you know your memory changes as you get older, you know, the number of times I've seen the game on the, on the television. But certainly in terms of my earliest memory, that would be, that would be it. I suppose that, that goes back to the days where you were just glued to the, the trannies that we were listening to the, the commentary and for a game like that that must have been incredible even as a young boy to listen to it yeah you know absolutely that was the way I sort of grew up in terms of football my dad at that stage wasn't really going to the games in fact my first game wasn't till 1987 it was Frank McAvaney's debut uh, against Hibs I think it was in October um, but yeah that was the way that was the way I grew up listening to football uh, super scoreboard on a Saturday afternoon uh, two to six so yeah that was the, that was the days it's uh, aging you there by, by <laughs> Absolutely, Paul Cooney and all the gang at that time. Absolutely. Uh, now, uh, who would have been your Celtic hero growing up in that case? Do you know, I, I think I was thinking about this before I came in. Unfortunately, I kind of grew up in a time when Celtic wasn't overly successful. But I think, you know, the standout for me would have been Paul McStay. Uh, he was just, you know, a joy to watch. And, and you know, the tragedy, it would have been lovely to see him 10 years later. As part of a more successful team, but um, growing up certainly that that, that time, Paul McStay was a, re- a real hero. And I suppose even you know you mentioned eighty, you know the, the Love Street game eighty six, but yeah. obviously the centenary a couple of yeah. years later, you still you'd have been old enough to appreciate that as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think when you saw the quality that he brought in that team, you know, and and I think at that time being a young fan, you know, you were really hoping that the centenary season was going to be the start and you were really going to kick on. Uh, unfortunately that was more uh, the end and then the next few years were obviously very difficult um, but McStay I think was a sort of shining light the whole way the whole way through that team and you know had undoubted qualities and just and I suppose unfortunately never got the success that he probably deserved Now Paul McStay was your hero growing up was there a Celtic hero or a Celtic legend from the past that if you had the chance to go back and see them in their prime Yeah I mean I, I think the obvious ones are to go back and say it'd be great to see Jinky or, or, or Kenny Dalglish I'd actually love to go back and see somebody like Jimmy McGrory, um, in part just to see how the game was actually played in. I think the game would be so different, the big heavy ball, etc. Um, and you, you know, you hear so much as you grow up about guys like Jimmy McGrory, uh, and it'd be lovely just to go back and, and be able to see him play and actually, you know, the sort of qualities that he had and and how the you know and how the game was played at that time. Because it's always in a way it's a shame. 
that his you know remarkable record doesn't really capture too much on camera because it would have been great to as you say to, to see not only his ability but how the game was played yeah I mean I think that's it so there is there's footage that you've got of Jinky there's footage of Kenny Douglas you can go back and see that you know there's so little footage of, of Jimmy McGrory and even guys you know like Charlie Tully and Jimmy Quinn guys like that you know some very grainy footage of the 7-1 game uh, at Hamden um, but you know that period in history there's not an awful lot that you can go back and look at so it really if I had the opportunity I would, I'd love to go back and, and, and watch a bit of that now over the years you obviously have been to many Celtic games is it possible for you to, to pick one out as a favourite? Do you know what I was having a wee think again during the weekend but there's two and two for very different reasons I was at the Jungle's last stand uh, I've still got the certificate somewhere but that game I think you felt there was a sort of sense of history there and you were part of something but I think from a pure football game uh, it would have to be the 6-2 game uh, in Martin O'Neill's first season there was so much optimism with Martin coming in and joining at that point in time um, and just you know to score three goals in the first 11-12 minutes and, and you know the quality of the football that day and the atmosphere and the result was just was just incredible And do you think even then you, you kind of get a sense that something was changing in, in Scottish yeah, football? Yeah I think that was it you know Rangers the season before had been so dominant I think they'd won by something like 16-17 points and for us to overturn that and I think you know the team that O'Neill played that day only had two uh, two new players I think it was only Chris Sutton and, and Joswell Harn Bobby Petter was like a new man um, so it was uh, you know it was a real sense of a, a change and, and real optimism going forward It's not a bad choice of a, of a game Do you know what it was, it was it was a great game it was just one of those that you know will live long in the memory Absolutely and finally has there been a player who you feel that's either been much maligned or even underappreciated that you'd like to mount a defence of? I suppose in terms of underappreciation, you know, you, we were talking a wee minute ago about the, the centenary, uh, centenary season. Billy Stark for me was a guy that was underappreciated. You know, he was instrumental. It was towards the end of his career. Uh, but I thought he was instrumental in that centenary year. He, you know, he didn't start every game, but the games that he came on, you know, he would make a difference. He scored in the, the game here at Celtic Park against Rangers. Um, and I just felt that you know he had a huge contribution that year. Do you feel he's one of those players? There's, there's quite a few of them where you just you just wish when they when they joined you wish wish we got them like five ten years earlier. You know I think of even Tosh McKinley more recently even Lubo we think if we would got him a few years Billy Stark falls into that. Yeah, he, he does absolutely. You know he must have been bought well in his thirties by the time he came here. But if we'd had him, you know, five or ten years younger, you certainly would have seen you know the best of him through through the Celtic his Celtic career. And I think, yeah, there are a number of players that fall into that sort of category. Lubo being the obvious one, you know, if you imagine you did him for, for five or ten years. Um, and I think Billy Stark does, does sort of, you know, fit that mould as well. That's great, Terry. Thanks very much for joining us on the Celtic View podcast. No problem at all, Paul. So that brings us to an end to another Champions League special Celtic View podcast. Now remember that the Celtic View will be available in the shops online from tomorrow, Wednesday, October the 19th. And if you want to get in touch with us about anything in the magazine or the podcast, you can reach us at Celtic View on Twitter. And if you want to leave any comments about the pod, you can do that on the SoundCloud page. We're always delighted for any feedback and had some brilliant stuff so far. Only thing left for me to say is goodbye from myself, Paul and Martin. Thanks for listening and until next time, hail hail.